Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part media club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. I ch- <laughs> it's, it's, uh, so the recording situation has changed to where, you know, I'm back at my parents for a few weeks. And so now, like, we're getting, like, the classic podcast vibes, like, back. And I was telling Alex this before, you know. Uh, I'm in a space that I'm in a space that doesn't have the best internet connection and you know, I can hear my brother through the wall and I'm just thinking like, all we need is to just hear your daughter crying in the background. And we're like teleported right back to like episode 40. Dude, do you know how crazy it is (laughs) that, uh, we started this podcast before she was born and now she's two and uh a half. Cause, cause yeah, that's ooh, that's ooh, that's so weird to think about, because we're coming up on our third anniversary. Yeah, um, and she was born during Decades Month, our first one. Yeah, uh huh. So that's why we had guests. Our first Decades Month was all guests because we thought I was going to be out of pocket for all those. That's yeah. crazy, dude. Um, we had a, and then we realized that making this show is a lot less work than we think it is. Sometimes yeah, man. we're not booking a TV show. Yeah. Um, Something else I was thinking about is, do you ever see people go on tour and you're just kind of like, what do you do on tour? And the people that made me think about this were uh, the Impractical Jokers. Now, I'm not denying that they are genuine comedians and could put together a show if necessary. I'm just thinking, if you're selling an Impractical Jokers tour, like, you can't do the stuff live like that. So is it just like, is it kind of like a blue-collar comedy tour where you kind of just interchange your comedians for their various stand-up sets? Like, it's just like stuff like that that's like, what are you doing touring? It's either stand-up, which I know Sal does and Joe does. I got to see Joe live, and I know Sal tours doing stand-up. But Joe isn't an impractical joker anymore and hasn't been for like over a year. So which mean which makes me think it's a podcast where they just talk and goof around. Oh, that's the only other thing. I forgot that that's an option. I think they would might be doing the live podcasts. Guys did the same thing. Yeah, and Armchair Expert has done the same thing. Um, I know Rooster Teeth did it way back in the day. It's it's being done now. I if they're yeah, I don't know what their show would be if it's not that. And. I also think about like people that advertise book signings like it's a tour. Like I'm going to be signing in this Barnes and Noble on the 20th and then this Barnes and Noble on the 23rd and then this one on the 26th. I'm like, okay, hold on. You're announcing way too many dates at once. Hold on. I, I don't get books signed, but I feel like this is a lot, a lot more information than someone might need. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just, the thing is, Craig, you just listen for your city. Listen for your city, yes. ignore everything else. Yeah. But also that only works when you're famous. I know other Correct. people do book signings yeah. when they're smaller. For me, it's always been like, this is a tremendous waste of time for everybody. I've been to a book signing for a local uh, author and I'm like, guys, I'm, I, I want to support you. That buying your book should be enough. Having you read the first chapter feels weird, you know? Yeah. Do you remember in like elementary school when they would have local authors come by and like talk to each class? Like we would go to the library, we'd all sit on the ground, and 
we would have, you know, a local author talk to us about like writing a book. And I remember like our teachers, like kind of having to sell us on the concept because when they're like, it's an author of children's books. And we're like, heck yes. Rick Riordan, R.L. Stein, uh, some of the other authors of the 39 Clues books. Like that's what's in yep. our minds. And then it's like, it's Susie May. And I, and we're all just kind of like, never mind. We are not interested anymore. We thought, because when you're a kid, you're like, an author, it, you have to be a celebrity to get published. Uh, and then you find out that anyone can do it, which does not diminish the achievement of publishing. But when you're a kid, uh, it really uh, humbles you in the kind of uh, in your expectations. It might be children's first taste of disappointment. Yeah, the thing is, is I remember an actual famous author coming to school twice. Two people were actually famous came to my school, and I don't even remember who they were <laughs> because I was in third grade for the first time and fifth grade for the second time and i don't remember yeah. who they are Oof. i'm trying to like i know one book was super big it was about dogs or a dog like a german shepherd and it was huge when we were in elementary school i i literally googled dog chapter book famous <laughs> and i i'm just looking for a cover that i recognize dude i don't i have no idea and i remember oh my gosh i can't believe this guy's here i got an autograph he had security um oh wow yeah he had like a driver um and i don't know who he is dude <laughs> i don't know who he yeah is. So maybe we're wasting celebrities on children is kind of what we've learned. Dude, um, unless, unless it's a make-a-wish. Oh, we went totally different We went places. two very different directions with that. <laughs> so basically, if you're going to get a celebrity for kids, it has to be an A or S-tier celebrity. Anything yeah. below that, it's just vomp right over their heads. Yeah, also, um, doesn't matter how big that celebrity is, can't be an author. Can't be an author. Can't be an Unless author. Unless it is, like I said, R.L. Stein or Rick Riordan or, or J.K. to Rowling. that effect. And that's going to be real it, controversial like, to have at your school. Like, there are maybe literally a single handful of authors you could show, you could, like, introduce to a child, and they would be, like, interested but like they might not even lose um, their minds. Like if Rick Riordan came, I know a lot of people would be like, "Whoa, that's really cool," and then forget about it next week. Freaking authors get like the short end of the stick, bro. <laughs> it's really not do. worth it. It's uh, really it not worth it. <laughs> They're doing it for the love so, of the game. So what we're t if you are a librarian, librarian technician, etc., if you set up programs for children at your libraries, lower your own bar. I understand that you want to enrich these children's lives. I'm saying don't overwork yourself. Yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's not that serious. Um you want to talk about the game? Let's talk about the game, bro. This week, we are playing Hollow Knight. I th thought I had more information off the dome. I don't. Um, it's a side-scroller. It's a platformer. Um, if you don't want to hear us talk about this game, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 34 minutes, 25 seconds. Um, to get into Hollow Knight, 
and to kind of talk about what it's about. I, uh, I, I want to talk about like a little bit of the history of the genre, just cause I think it's kind of important for context. Sure. Um, this is, like I said, uh, a platformer, a 2D platformer, but there's a subgenre that it lives in called a Metroidvania. And basically, in the NES days, there was a game called Metroid and there was a game called Castlevania. And both of those games, while having wildly different aesthetics, had a very similar game concept, which was, um, we're not going to tell you where to go, but you're going to collect upgrades and power-ups along the way that allows you to unlock the next area. You are trapped in an area until you get the next upgrade. And when you get the next upgrade, you can also backtrack and unlock other areas in early earlier levels that you might not have been able to do in the past. Right. And um, the le- there's and no like two- set level. There's just an order of which things you can get to. Yeah, like the map from Metroid is pretty iconic for just being all of these like interconnected screens that you kind of had to memorize um, what important thing was where. And later iterations will let you like mark your map and whatnot. Um, But that those two games kind of pioneered this genre. And Hollow Knight is one of the more modern interpretations of that genre, uh, kind of down to the T where the game doesn't tell you anything, man. It barely tells you how to swing your weapon. Um, And then after that, it's just kind of like, okay, figure it out. And you have to get various power-ups along the way to help you defeat bosses and uh, get you to the next area. Um, I traditionally don't like these styles of games. I Um, thought you would. I don't know why. It's just maybe because it's pretty and you like pretty stuff. I do, too. But you like, especially like indie games, I feel like. And this is also very video gamey. Like there are games that you can, that like a casual person could play and pick it up pretty quick because there's not much to it. To play any Metroidvania, like you kind of have to understand the language of games in order to make the most out of it. Um, you know, understanding what areas are explorable and aren't explorable, what areas you should prioritize over others. Like that's kind of a learned skill that you get from playing a lot of games. And so a hollow Knights specifically, I think is not for the faint of heart. It's not hard by any means, but it is just confusing enough to where if you get demoralized by not knowing what you're doing, you're going to get that feeling right off the bat. There is a level of commitment that you got to put into this game. Yeah, I feel like this game is the reason we have to commit three hours to the games that we're reviewing. Yes. Because it takes about an hour to figure out how the game works. And then it goes, it's way easier once you figure it out. But you need to commit yes. at least an hour just to be like, oh, okay, I got you. This is how I interact with stuff. This is how the game works. This is different enemies. This is how I'm supposed to fight them. You get the movement down. It makes a lot more sense. And what's unique about this game is what I'm going to say is because of the game's purposefully vague nature, you could very easily play through most of this game without getting some pretty helpful features like um, the fast travel system in this game. 
you could just miss. Like, yeah. there are signs that point it out, but if you are not following those signs, like, if those signs aren't helpful or you don't understand them, you could just bypass it. But you just you just don't get a chance to interact with it because all of the fast travel points are tucked away, and so you have to kind of like actively look for them. Yeah. Um, another thing you could forget is just like charms. You could forget to equip them. Yeah. You don't know when you're getting a new one. You just don't know. So you just have to like check every once in a while. I've been walking around with a charm for like 45 minutes before I realized, oh, this would make things way easier. They're just like, it's not even power-ups. They're like abilities that you can unlock, but you need to equip them and they don't explicitly tell you when you get them. Yeah, so most of the charms in this game, and the charms are basically like abilities that you can equip and unequip at will. And the reason why you would unequip them is because you can only have so many at a time. So you kind of have to balance what's most important at any given time. Um, The fact, and, and the map in this game is so essential to making significant progress quickly because you can wander the game and you'll stumble upon where you're supposed to go. But when you get a map and you get the compass that tells you where you are on the map, and then you get the quill that expands the map as you continue to discover it, all of those things are like my game progress after I acquired all of those things was almost the exact same as uh, what I did before I had those things, but in a third of the time. Because right. I like could look at the map and be like, oh, this is where I'm clearly supposed to go. Yeah, it's just one of those things that like you, I, was, I was doing the exact same thing like right before we started recording. I'm just looking for gaps. I'm looking for areas like, oh, I haven't explored that yet. And then once you get to a point where you don't know what to do, you look at the map again and be like, well, there's four places I haven't been. Let me figure out why I can't go there. Three of which will be because I have an unlocked ability and one is where I'm supposed to go. And that's like what you got to do. But the thing is, this is different than James Bond because the objective is (laughs) very clear and you know when you've done it and the game doesn't, there's always something you can do. You don't die and start all the way over again. Like there is always a path back. You know when you fail. So I'm not going to go so far as to say is the objective is always clear. It's not always clear. Yeah, um, my, my objective was, find... was always like find the new area. I don't know. Yes. That was that and was my so, objective. And so the difference between the vagueness of 007 and the vagueness of Hollow Knight and why we appreciate it more in Hollow Knight than James Bond is that on Hollow Knight, it's purposeful. Um, the game gives you exactly as much information as it wants to give you. Um, meanwhile, in GoldenEye, I feel like it was more of a either a technical limitation or an oversight. Um, but it, it, it did not feel like it had the same purpose that it did in Hollow Knight. Now, these we're comparing apples to oranges here, but I just want to make it clear that, you know, pray, different games can have the same feature, but because of the context of the game, it comes off completely different. Yeah, for sure. And, oh, okay. As far as the stags of this game, pretty artistic. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know how to describe what it looks like. It's just stylized. Uh, yes. I, so it's yeah. very like enchanted forest, 
like a dying enchanted forest is the best kind of way to describe the vibe of it. All the enemies are bugs. You're a bug. Um, your weapon is a nail. And so it's this very pretty but ominous kind of aesthetic. Like, I keep using this word, but everything about this game is like, has this like vague set to it. And the aesthetic is the same way as there's this like ominous about it that I think very fit, very much fits the, the context of the game and uh, what the game wants to do. Yeah, it's you're fighting monsters the entire time. There's bosses the entire time. So that darker aesthetic. Oh, yeah, dude, you, you're just a monster hunter. I, to be honest, I don't even know what the point of the game is. I'm just out there killing stuff, trying to look <laughs> for the next boss and exploring. Because, That's it. Be, because all the NPCs have, like, negative helpful dialogue. Um, yeah, I'm more confused <laughs> before I, after I talked to them than I was before. Um. There's this one NPC that you meet who you rescue from being attacked by various large creatures. And when you do, you could be like, he, you talk to him and he's like, I didn't need your help. I had totally had that one handled. Now you totally stole my kill. And then you go back up to the surface town and you talk to him up there. And he's like totally bragging about this kill that you totally stole from him. But he's trying to take the credit for anyway. And I'm just like, okay, bud. Whatever you want, man. And, and there's just like a lot of characters like that. Where like you kind of talk to them and you're like, I don't know what the point of this was. But okay. G- good job, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's, that was, there was, I got used to the style of dialogue very quickly. I'm like, it's almost pointless talking to people yeah unless they are a shopkeeper or the map maker then like whatever yeah really um did you beat hornet no i haven't gotten that far yet okay so um i beat i got to the boss of the second area okay Um, i am i like just started the second area do you know how long it took me to find the second area (laughs) i feel like i did a loop around the entire map twice but what's in what's more difficult? So this is what I mean about like missing things and having different playthrough experiences. I found the second area before I had the means to get to the second area because there's this armadillo that's guarding the entranceway, and you have to pick up um, your first spell, your first ranged attack before you can kill this guy. And the spell and this entrance are, like, on opposite sides of the map. Sure so are. I, like, I, like, stumbled into the And getting the spell is a process. It is. It's not like you just talk to a dude and he's like, hey, you look like you're powerful. Here's a spell. No, you talk to a dude. He kidnaps you, throws you into a dungeon and says, we got a pest problem and forces you to clear it out for him. And then he can be like, all right, you can keep the spell. You're all good. And so then you have to travel again to the other side of the map and then clear the way out. So like. I knew what I needed to use the spell for because I stumbled upon the entrance earlier than I quote unquote should have. Okay. See, the thing is, is there's so many areas that I don't have access to yet. So everyone, every time I got a new skill or I learned something new, I went back to those areas to be like, all right, does this open yet? Is this open yet? Is this open yet? And I just forgot about that one. It's obnoxious. Also, Apparently, like, the key and the lantern are things we need to buy. 
They're so yes. expensive. Yeah. There's oh my God. $900. And at the point we are at at the game, like 700 is a lot to hold. And so when you're looking at stuff that's like 950, 1200, I'm like, 1800. Let's, let's slow down. Um, but you kind of hit exactly why I don't like Metroidvanias is because I very quickly get overwhelmed with like my secondary objective task list. It's like when I learn how to dash, I got to come back here. When I get something that can open a locked door, I have to come back here. When I find a way to like blast through something, I have to come back here. And that eventually becomes more taxing than the game itself. And so every time I walk past an area that I can't participate in, I'm just like, that's another thing I'm going to have to worry about. All right, cool. I've just gotten used to like, this game is for the patient. You can't, you can only speed run this game if you've played it before and took notes on what you're supposed to do. But like, it's a whole lot of just like walking around, figuring stuff out. But like, I feel like I'm getting better. Like, I'm, um, I'm fighting for the record, often enough that I'm definitely getting better. Um, the world, the current world record in Hollow Knight for the speed run is. Let me double check. Um, Thirty-one minutes and twenty-four seconds. <laughs> oh, holy crap! Oh my gosh! Um, and uh, this record was created twenty-four days ago. <laughs> Dude, that um, is insane. But but what I will say is, despite the fact that the format is not what I like, I will say they nailed the boss battles on these. I Dude, really I liked them. all of the boss battles. Because the mother fight was, it's kind of like your first like mini boss. And it that's super easy. And then you fight the false knight. And the false knight is like the first boss where you're like, where it has like phases and you have to like learn its movements and go with anticipation. Um, and then the last boss that I fought was, was a boss named Hornet who was a lot more agile and would like throw stuff at me. And that one was harder for me because, um, the way you beat bosses in games like this is learning what their windup is and what move that windup indicates and then countering appropriately. She had several moves that had very similar windups. So I would frequently try to counter the wrong one. Um, but once I kind of got a handle on that, I was able to beat it. Um, but I'm, I'm really liking the boss battles in this. I just don't love getting from battle to battle. It's, yeah, there's a lot of exploration, figuring stuff out. Also, if you die and have to figure out how to get back and just wander all the way there, you can't die twice in a row because then you lose everything. So once you die and you have to go fight your ghost to get your stuff back, the walk back is crazy stressful. That's why... Um, the compass is so important because where you die is marked on the map, but right. where you are in relation to it, who's to say, <laughs> um, and just like, because it has, yeah. because there's no traditional checkpoint system. It's, uh, I would most liken it to a dark souls where there are points where you can rest and the, the last place that you rest is where you respawn if you die. So if you last rested across the map, guess what? 
time for a hike. Uh, and nothing is more infuriating than dying in the same location a few times, making that trek a few times, and then realizing there was a closer rest spot. Like, and it's not even useful because you've got your ghost back already. And I'm like, all right, well, yep, cool. Glad I just wasted 20 minutes of my time. I bought the charm to mark rest spots for that reason. I'm like, I don't uh, care if there's extra money and I never it, use but... it. I'm like, I I need to know where the benches are. Yeah, but the problem is like there are such limited ability points that I felt like that was one of those things where like rest spots are pretty important. I'll remember where those are. Yeah, like yeah, this would make my life easier. But this is gonna. I mean, this is one of those games that like yeah, you could grind. And buy the stuff that makes your life easier. But you can, each monster that you kill gives you like two to five coins. And you need a thousand. So buying that hundred or two hundred thing that makes it a little bit more convenient just sets you back. And like I bought and a couple of those. And then what I needed. Then I read. Then I got the new prices. I'm like, oh, I need to get 900 and 1800 or 1200. I'm like, guess I'm not buying anything ever again. So the one thing I want to talk about mechanically is... I never really got a good feel on the implications of swinging your nail, which is to say there's there was a little bit of knockback when you swung your nail, even if it didn't connect with anything. And when it did connect with something, it would throw you back a little bit further. And I never got good at compensating for that. So like when I was trying to fight, like if I was trying to hit, one like a flying enemy and i'm oh. on one of the smaller platforms i'm gonna fall off that platform every single time because the knockback from hitting that enemy is i'm gonna say a little bit stronger than i would like yeah i you just pointed that out i realized that's why i liked fighting enemies that were above me because there's no knockback when you swing upwards I'm like, why is yeah. it so much um, easier to kill things when they're right above me it's because i'm not moving around yeah, so getting a handle on that was, like, really tricky for me. And I don't also, even know if I really fully got a handle on it. There are two different jumps, and they're very similar. It's the same button, and you press one slightly longer than the other one. Yes, short jumps and long jumps are uh, a finicky... Again, that's one of those learned skills of, like... You know, I don't need to be taught how to do a short and long jump because it's in a bunch of games and I kind of just do it naturally. But if that's not something you're used to um, and it's not explained to you or you have to, like, focus on that skill, like, that's a, that's kind of a mountain to climb. Yeah, this is one of those things that, like, I could do that, but not also while being attacked over acid, you know? Yes. Yeah. D that Dude, the acid part's... Oh my god. That's that was oof man. The worst part of platforming was going over the acid parts. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I just I just kept falling into it. Um so overall, this is kind of the trouble is I have now invested so much time into this game where like I want to keep going cuz this game drip feeds you. This game does not give you things quickly. You know, I played for two and a half hours and I just unlocked the dash ability, which is oh, pretty no. commonplace in most Metroidvanias. So the fact that it took me almost three hours to get one of the most basic skills in a game does not bode well for me feeling like I achieved things as I unlock more and more things. 
Also, but, you're like, better at I, this game than I am because you play more different games. I play <laughs> 10 games. So you're I've put four and a half hours in this game and you're further than me. <laughs> so like I'm thinking about like the bosses I had to fight numerous times and you got on your second or third try. If you're worse at video games than I am, it's this game is going to take you a long time. It's going to be fun uh probably and I enjoy this game, but it's taking me 50% more to do the exact same thing you're doing. So like I'm really yeah, thinking about so- like oh I enjoy this game but like yeah, it's got I mean I haven't unlocked dash yet, bro. <laughs> so my recommendation for you, Alex, is uh, now that you kind of have like a handle on the game and how to explore the game, you know, it took me 90 minutes to do the first section to do the first area, but then only an hour to do the second section and 10 to 15 minutes of that was the boss fight. So I think um, if you wanted to, you could get to that uh, second boss a lot quicker than you got to the first one. So, which so my recommendation for you is get to the second boss fight, do the second boss fight, see how that feels, and then kind of judge it. Like, do I now is my point? Do I want to keep playing this for fun? Yeah. Um. But I don't know. It's I also played this on my PlayStation, and I didn't realize how much of a luxury quick resume is until you don't have it. It is ooh, it is S tier feature. Um, Dude, I can just hit start and get back to it when I get back to it. Yeah, and so um, on Xbox, on modern Xboxes, they have a feature called Quick Resume where you can launch several different games and it holds your place in every single one. And not like, oh, it launches in a few seconds and you have to go through the menus again. No, like you launch the game and you are exactly where you left off. And so not having that feature is oh it, it's it's an inconvenience in a way that i didn't think it would be um, it's like i yeah i have quick resume i only use it on accident be like oh my gosh has this game been running the whole time yeah but. and it's super convenient to like know that you because i had to worry about if my game was saved or not and the Dude, entire I time i was, still don't know how to save this game um i think it auto saves i think if you exit, if you manually like hit start and hit quit, it will do a save for you okay. as you're exiting the game. But if you just force quit through the Xbox menu, it doesn't save. Um, and so the entire time I was just thinking like, if I had quick resume, I wouldn't have to worry about if it saved or not. Cause it'd still be there. <laughs> I just to like really herald or really hawk how much quick, how good of a feature quick resume is. Um, I moved, you know, I, I moved last week and I unplugged my Xbox, had it in my car for like a day and a half, completely removed from power, plugged it back in, and the Xbox still had my data saved. That's the quick resume insane. was still functioning. That's crazy. Um, Dude, like so, computers don't do that. Exactly. So I just wanted to, that, that's my fanboy moment. Um, I think this is, I made this analogy last week. This is the film of video games where it's very artsy. It has to be your thing. I would not recommend it to everyone. And it's a very, there's a very like high barrier to entry on this game. Um, And so 
I'm going to give this game a rating that uh, you would see me give a film of similar stature, where this bad boy sits at like a six and a half. Okay, I'm giving it a 7.25. Because sure. I'm giving it points for what it tried to do. And like, there are movies where like, hey man, the first hour, the first act is kind of rough. But once you understand what they're doing, you can get on board. Like for instance, I would compare this like Walter Mitty. Like the first yeah. 30 minutes, you're like, what is the whole movie going to be like this? Is he, He's like going in and out. And then towards the end, you're like, yeah, man, once you figure it out that this is just what the movie's like, you can get on board with the rest of it. Um, but if you watch the first 30 minutes of Walter Mitty and you don't like it, I got bad news for you, bro. It's, it's just more of the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Hollow Knight came out uh, in 2017 and its sequel Hollow Knight Silk Song was announced in 2019. Um, uh, it has yet to come out <laughs> and oh, we do not have a release date for it. Um, but uh, it will be released on Game Pass. So if you finish Hollow Knight and you like it, the sequel will come out to Game Pass uh, when it releases. So if that's your thing, that's something to look forward to. Um, cool, I man. I feel like in... that's going to be so far down the road. The thing is, this is great. It doesn't have that like addictive quality in the games I normally play. Like, sure, those games are like designed to keep you like gta 5 gta online has hooked people so hard they just stopped coming out with new content or i guess they still come out with new content just like we're not moving past it and i'm used to like those games massive big budget addictive games and this is just like it feels like a salad and i'm like oh dude i haven't had a salad in a long time and it tastes really good but like i can't eat this the whole time like i need to i need to have like raw fun every once in a while you know like let me just eat the stuff that's not good for me but it tastes amazing all the time and when i need like a refreshing break i'll come back to this game but i just can't eat salad all the time yeah um, i think that analogy is supposed to work the other way around but i don't care like this is supposed to yeah, be yeah let's move uh, whatever we're moving on yeah, uh, listen, I've learned that when Alex gets on an analogy, you just kind of have to let him finish. Dude, I can just, like, <laughs> keep doing them. It's it's a problem. Let's move on into our improv segment. Uh, we are doing from the desk of PR News, PG News, whatever. Um, the way this works is one of us is going to be a reporter at a desk, and one of us is going to be a reporter out in the field, uh, and we'll be asking the reporter in the field questions about the situation, and that's kind of how the scene gets broken down. Um, Alex, do you want to be the field reporter or the desk reporter first? Uh, I want to be the desk reporter. Okay, what am I covering? Um, we're going local news. Um, and a family has moved in with their neighbors because they think their house is haunted and they wanted to move somewhere else. <laughs> um, okay. So we might have a bunch of like, want to ring me in interviews on this thing. All right. Thanks for the weather over there, Jack. Now we go to Craig who's followed up on an interesting story in our local town, a family Seems to have moved in with their neighbors. More on that in a minute. Now, I want to give you a little heads up, audience. This is Craig's first day 
Um, and this is a pretty interesting topic. So we're going to cut him some slack. He's also very superstitious. So, uh, Craig, down to you. I just want to say right off the rip, I think it's kind of messed up that you guys forced me to take this story. Um, you guys know how I feel about stuff like this. And I feel like this is some sort of hazing that you're doing for me. Um, I, I don't even know if this story is real. I wasn't even given any fact validation. I was just told to get in the van and get over here. But I'm a professional and I'm doing my job. So, hello. Craig, I would just like to Craig. remind you that we are live. Oh, I'm very aware. Okay. Um, so I'm here. Uh, I'm here at the Lincoln Street Haunted House, which I guess is what we're calling it now. Um, and uh, I just witnessed the Smith family bring the last thing, last of their things, over to their neighbor's house, so that way they can try to live in peace. Now, I'm not saying the insidious movies are documentaries. However, I have felt particularly more in tune with the supernatural after watching those movies. And I just want to say I'm getting some strong insidious vibes from this house over here. Um, and if you think I'm going to go in there, you're crazy. I am maintaining a 30 foot distance. I'm not even going to the neighbor's house. That's too close for me. I would be moving if I was the neighbors. Now, Let's give you the facts here, okay? About four days ago, the Smith family uh, called 911 on an attempted break-in. They thought somebody was in the house, but by the time the police arrived, they couldn't find any evidence of uh, DNA, fingerprints. Um, they couldn't find any evidence of a car being parked outside, etc. So, obviously, the next conclusion is haunted. Ha house haunted. <laughs> So, um, Greg, so, we, have, we have a couple questions uh, here in the studio. This is our first time hearing this story as well. When they have a suspected break-in, was the, the family in the house? Uh, yeah, but they were all upstairs, and they were too afraid of getting hurt to go downstairs to, like, you know, confront the assailant. Um, so I'm not saying I blame them for what they did. I'm saying there are a few precautions that they could have taken to confirm the ghost because right. the last thing that we need in this community is more false ghost reportings because then that's just going to make the real ghost reportings be taken less seriously. So Craig, do you have stats on how many ghosts are reported in this town of 900 yeah, people? Yeah, 107. 107 <laughs> ghosts a year. What? Okay. And do you know how many of those are real? Uh, I would like to know. It's uh, four. And what would so, have happened if these were real? How did I would like more information on that, Craig? Do you have any more information? Um, yeah, like I said, so I am part of the local supernatural hunters guild. Uh, I have my badge on me. If you would like to see it, it's a little um gold shiny piece of plastic that has a little uh ghost on it, and it goes ooh. Um, but that's not the point. What right. the point is, is I am more familiar with situations like these than anybody else. And I think that if they think it's a ghost, getting out, good idea. However, you have to confirm the ghost before you can move on. I'm talking salt circles. I'm talking candles. I'm talking mediums. We have a very proficient medium in our town. Is she also my mother? 
Yes, but I, that just means I can account for how great her skill is. All now, right. Thank you, Craig, for uh, that interesting story. Um, we'll come back at 11 and see if he's got any new information. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Um, and, uh, oh, are we getting shut down? Our studio is getting shut down. Great. Well... <laughs> Uh, thanks for all the years, everybody. Cox got <laughs> kills just himself say, on air. I could have done that scene forever. I know. <laughs> I'm like, he is, he, I am barely prompting you. <laughs> and you just kept going I'm like, we're going to have to slow this thing down. <laughs> as soon as you brought up your mom, I'm like, oh, dude, she's in on it too. Uh, we're going to have to cut this thing short. Uh, All right. Okay. Man, what you got for me? Um. So you are reporting on the on the most recent of a series of house fires. Okay. But you are the one that has been committing them, and you're trying oh, really geez. hard not to blow it. Okay. Sure. I could do that. All right. Now for our criminal report of the night. Um, we are following up on the series of arsons that have been happening in our town. This is the fifth uh, domicile that has been set ablaze in just as many days. We have Alex out here in the field at the location, and he's going to bring us some more. Alex, what you got? So it seems that we have an individual, I believe it to be arson, in, uh, who's setting these houses ablaze in a very strategic way. My best guess, this person's highly intelligent, probably very good at covering their tracks. Um, I would just say we should take this person seriously because they know what they're doing. They're probably never going to get caught and we need to go into mitigating matters. What do they need? Do they have any requests? You know, do they need a million dollars, you know, dropped off in a PO box? On a weekend where no one's been watching. I don't know. I'm just saying we need to get facts from this individual. They've only left a couple notes that have been given to the police. I don't have a lot of information on that. But if I did, you would be the first to know. Uh, I, I do have an inside source that says he's asking. Uh, I mean, they, this person, is asking for uh, a monetary amount. That's uh, around seven figures. Uh, immunity from being charged. And so uh, say, a date with um, the mayor's wife. Uh, so Alex, you seem to be pretty intimately familiar with the arsonist's demands. Um, we don't even know for sure if it's just a single person, but you seem to be pretty confident on that fact. What's, uh, what's drawing you to that conclusion? Uh, a source. Yeah. I have uh, a really good one. You do have to understand, you do understand that like as journalists, we need a little bit more than that. Um, I have a really, I have a source who um, knows or may not know the perpetrator. So you seem to be pretty motivated in getting this guy out rather than bringing him into justice. Uh, Do you have any like motivations behind that? This is turning into a weird news story. I'm just saying that with a guy who's as intelligent well thought out and strategic maybe we should start taking his demand seriously and if he doesn't get caught i think that's not the priority the priority is getting the the arsons to stop so 
So, Alex, I'm going to be real honest. Um, this story is not going the way that we thought it was going to. And uh, you're going to have to come back into the office and we're going to have to talk about this for a little for a little while. You understand that, right? I mean, no, I think here's the thing. At the end of the day, I can't tell you who my sources are and you can't prove where I was the past five days. I have an alibi. So as long as we have all that ironed out, I'd be happy to come into the office. Um, again, strange demands. I wasn't suspicious of you at all until you started talking. You, I like, I gen, this feels like it's not as much of a leap anymore, but like, I'm kind of starting to think that you're an arsonist, dude. Well, I can't be because my dad's a fireman and I know all about fire safety. So, uh, I'm, a, I'm, uh. I'm I'm lethal with a fire extinguisher, but I don't know my right from my left when it comes so, to matches. So if you know fire safety, you know how to disregard fire safety and how to manipulate fire safety. Uh, this seems like a leap. Um, uh, do I have to I, answer that? I think that we're all forgetting that we are live right now. And some might argue that what you're giving is a bit of a testimony. So I'm going to do us all a favor I'm going to call the police. You're probably going to call your lawyer and we'll all have this settled out in, I'm going to guess, not very long. Uh, in the meantime, um, I'm going to have that guy over there uh, cock his gun. And, uh, oh. and <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of someone being just around people and be like, you there, cock your gun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Uh, help me out. <laughs> oh man, okay. dude. Every time we do that, it's, it's completely different. I'm, I'm always down for a good time. Let's move on to our middle segment. This is one I have prepared. We've done it a lot recently, but it's, uh, it's kind of fun to come up with these scenarios. Um, this is grading scale where I have various subjects <clears throat> That I want you to rank F through A or S if you care, um, based on how well they fit or how favorable they are in this subject. Uh, okay. Make sense? Absolutely. All right. Number one, unconventional water receptacles, things that you would be willing to drink water out of. Uh, number one, a hose. Yeah. Um, a tier. Because when you need to drink out of a hose, you need water. And it doesn't really matter the quality. And hose water is usually pretty cold. Yes. So that's, you know, and you're, you're off. The volume start. is never a problem. It's always enough. Uh, the next is a bucket. D tier. Just a bucket. D tier, bro. D tier? It's oh. so bad. It's, dude, it's like it gets all over. It's going to get on your shirt, it's going to get on your face. There's probably going to be, there could be bugs in there. It's just like, there's too many things that could get in. You need small entry points. So it's, I mean, trash and it's probably going to be warm. Gross, dude. Okay. Uh, and so the last one is going to be a water gun. C tier. It always tastes like plastic. Yeah, it, and the pressure is way you too can't high. Clean it. It's uh, it's a step up from a bucket, but <laughs> it's bad, bro. Okay, next category: 
Uh, who you think would make the coolest pr- playground for kids? Um, first up, we have Salvador Dali. <sighs> I'm gonna go A tier for that as well. Super abstract stuff. I think the pr- the reason it's not S tier is it might be a little confusing on how you're supposed to use the stuff. Yeah, you know, if you see a slide that like bends into itself, it might be a little concerning. It'll look cool, but <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's a safety hazard. I feel like there won't be a lot of corners, a lot of like smooth lines and stuff, but I think it's, you're just gonna be confused. I'm like, how am I supposed to use this? Next up, we have Van Gogh. Hmm. I'm gonna go B tier because uh, it depends on the Van Gogh like, we're getting. Yeah, I feel like all of his playgrounds would just be empty fields. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you can play kickball and stuff. I just feel like, as far as a playground goes, it really depends on the Van Gogh we're getting because it could just be very scenic. You could just have a great view and like not much else. I don't think it'd be bad. Just like I'm thinking pretty mid middle of the road. Up next is Picasso. I think those would be S tier. Okay. I think uh, the dudes, the thing is, is he, he blew up when he was young, like really young. So I feel like he can tap into that energy pretty well. Yeah. And then finally, we have Banksy. I'm going to go another S tier. I think he might be like a super S tier. Because I think he, mm, no, I think I'm going to put him on par with Picasso. Because I feel like with Banksy, we also have to worry about what Banksy we're getting. Like, is this playground going to be- I think he's partial to kids, though. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Is this playground going to be a self-destructive political statement? I know. Yeah, I- I think he's, he'll take it easy on kids, and I think it will be really playful. Like, it'll be just really cool stuff you haven't seen before, real creative, like, dope. Like, he'll be the guy who invented that, like, when you talk into a fun on one end of the playground, it comes out the other end. Banksy would have came up with something like that. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, Last one, we've got people who you would trust in a two-seater plane to be the pilot. Oof, 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 oof. Easy one off the gate, Uh, Harrison Ford. Um, does he have pilot's license? I feel like he does. He, he does have a pilot's license. He's also crashed several planes. <laughs> I'm going to go. Also, he's getting old. So I'd be worried about medical emergencies. I'm going C tier. Up next like, is... Yeah, I don't even need to explain that. Up next is David Harbour. Does he also have a pilot's license? I don't know. Uh, he seems like a cool guy. I feel like if he knew we were going up in a plane... He'd study a lot. He's okay. a good guy. So I'm going to go B tier. All right. Up next, we have uh, Viola Davis. Same thing. I'm going B tier. I feel like she takes her job very seriously. And if she knew we were going up, she'd train for it. But like, oh, I don't sure. innately trust her. She is one of those people that I wouldn't be surprised if she just had one and didn't talk about it. Yeah, it's she's, possible. I'm she's just... one of those people that I would just believe anything you told me about her. Like, oh, she's scuba yeah. certified? Okay, sure. Why not? But I don't feel like she's like, oh, dude, if this doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like Pete Davidson is like, ah, f*** it. Yeah, sure. That's crazy. I did, that would be terrifying. And then last up, uh, our middle school principal. A tier. A tier? Whoa. That is a strong level of confidence. So also he's in charge of a bunch of kids. And if he kills me, it's going to look bad. Okay, fair enough. So headlines say middle school principal kills former student. Doesn't matter that the student was, you know, there 15 years ago, but. 
<laughs> doesn't doesn't matter. He also has no idea who I am, and I had multiple conversations with him. I'm gonna move into our one hit wonder. Uh, this is another TikTok trend because it's easy to steal. Um, uh, the, this one is how you see me bracket or grid is a better term for it. We have nine categories in front of us and we're just going to assign each other to, we're going to assign something out of this category to each other. That's the best way to put it. Um, let's category by category and then and we'll go back and forth cool so the first one up here is animal and i'm trying to think of a good animal to assign you um you're definitely a bird i was trying to figure out which one that's fair my thought for you was like a ram or like a mountain goat like something like generally cool but like will headbutt you but like not uh mainstream cool yeah exactly can't be a bear or a lion or anything like that be like he's cool in a very niche way but like bears and lions are predators rams and mountain goats aren't as much okay or at all i'm a predator to insects i'm inclined to give you like a cockatoo <laughs> okay fair enough uh, um, I, f- I feel like that doesn't need an explanation. No, it really doesn't. Up next is a place. Um, a pl- I, I assign to you those like high rise, full glass, like top floor apartments. Okay. Those, those apartments that you look at that and you're like, oh, that's $20,000 a month. Like that's, right, that's the vibe. Dude. I'm giving you, so you got please hometown. Please don't say my mom's basement. No. Please say you my got, mom's You got basement. town, and then the first town you move to when you don't want to be in the hometown anymore. Okay. And it's usually like a college town adjacent. Like it might not have to be a big university, but like that college town, you live in the suburbs of that college town. Okay. So like, you're like, I don't live at home, but this is the second place I moved. And you're like, well, I don't want to keep moving. You know what I mean? That's fair. Oh man, the thought of moving again. Uh, Be like, I hey, I'm not at my parents' it. house. I didn't take a step. I just don't want to keep doing that. You know, I'm around young people. I'm doing my thing, but like, I'm not gonna keep moving. That's why. Um, up next is a plant. Who? Uh, I can tell you what. You're not a succulent. I don't know much about plants, so. I'm I, I I don't know if mine's gonna be very accurate or good, but like I, I'm thinking of just like pl- uh, flowers in ge- just like flowers is kind of what I'm thinking of. Um, my mind keeps being drawn to daisies, but that doesn't feel exactly right. I mean, bro, I don't know. You're definitely a perennial. I was trying to figure out. Which one you would be? Um, definitely like a garden variety. Um, this is a little tricky. Oh, oh I think- here's what here's what I got. I think you're a tomato plant. Practical. I think Make you're tomatoes. a blue star perennial. No, that's oh, not true. I just read the first description is low maintenance. I'm like, well, let's. I gotta 
Yo, dude, old faithful, you're hosta. You're a hosta, bro. Lower maintenance, fairly talented, can live for decades if properly cared for. Relatively low maintenance, but you're you're a hosta, bro. For sure. Man, I got these next two ones queued up. I know exactly what you are. Yeah. So character is so next up we have character, which is harder because there's so many characters. And like the di- the difficult part with characters is we both have characters that we would like to be, but might not necessarily actually be. Um I've said this once and I've said it again, and I'm gonna keep on saying it. You are blue from Rio. <laughs> The problem is, Alex, the unfortunate truth is um, all of the cool characters that, like, I know you would want to be um, are pretty amoral in a way that you are definitely not. So, <laughs> right. like, James Bond cheats on every woman he's ever with, makes one sacrifice at the very end of his life. And so, like, the most accurate thing that I could give you is, like, the dad from Modern Family. Like, Phil Dunphy or whatever. And I'm just like, well, that's not a fun answer. (laughs) Also, I have not watched a single episode of Modern Family. Neither have I. I just know he's he's just the quintessential dad. I know. Do you want to be George Lopez from George Lopez? The tricky part is I don't feel like I'm Quintus. I'm trying to think of I'm running through like all the dads in my head. I think if I were to be a like a show dad, I think I would most be Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. I uh, dude, that's crazy because I was thinking about him. <laughs> I think I would be I'm leaning towards good luck, Charlie. Okay. Sure, yeah. It doesn't feel spot on, but it's not bad. Are you saying you're not Billy Ray Cyrus from Hannah Montana? Sorry, definitely Billy Ray not. Stewart. And I'm definitely not Wizard of Waverly Place Russo. I'm... Uh, I was, dude, I'm trying... I can't think of any other dads. Are you Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince? He's not cool enough. Okay, sorry. Are you are you the butler from Fresh Prince? No, because definitely not. I'm trying to think of like cool like dads we lo- Oh, I'm Bluey's dad. <laughs> I was thinking that, but I didn't know if you knew Bluey well enough for me to, you know, take that shot. Yeah, um, I'm Bluey's dad. Like he's cool bandit. enough. Or I'm the neighbor and I can't remember his name. The neighbor's dad. Oh yeah, like the sheepdog looking dude. Yeah, yeah, I might be him. Um, I think I might be him. All right. Next up is season. You are fall. You're spring. That's, that's easy. Done. All right, I'm um, fall. You're spring. I'm down for that. Uh, hobby. I mean, Alex just asked me, hey, after we're done, do you want to play video games so I can talk to you about the lottery for like 45 minutes? So I feel like that one's pretty easy. Although I will say having the lottery as your hobby. Dangerous. Oh, that's dangerous. That's a big red flag. <laughs> I I would say the lottery is more of just an interest of yours. In terms of like 
genuine hobby. Here's what I'm going to say. If you were a Ken, your job is motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Th the thing is, is the hobby I associate with you is not one of your hobbies. So that's really annoying. <laughs> like you are a pottery guy <laughs> and you don't do it. <laughs> No, dude, I, I always hated the the clay sections of our art classes because, like, the yeah. clay would get under my nails and it never turned out as good as I wanted it to. I was I always got frustrated and things broke in the kiln. I oh, man, pottery and I did not. Get oh, along. OK, this is even worse. This is even more niche. Um, But you're into letter writing again. Notorious for having maybe the worst handwriting in my class. That's not true. But like you just I was, like I like person. I like the personal touch. I like showing people I care. I just, things you don't do but are part of your. Brand. I will say there was a point in during like the sentimental the sentimental era of high school where like I would write people letters like as they were going off to college as I was going off to college. So yeah. you, that one's not too far off. It's more of the sentimentality of it all. Color, red. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's red. I feel like you are a light, light blue. Okay. Like a like a baby blue. Dude, I do not know my colors. So let's just say baby blue. Okay. Um, Crystal is a little bit harder because I know that's something that neither of I neither of us know too much about. Um, my, I'm going to say you're a topaz. Okay. My heart goes to garnet. But that might just be because I just assigned you red. <laughs> right. I, I was leaning towards aquamarine for you. And I'm like, I don't think he's aquamarine. I think you're like a topaz. Um, so I'm going to stick with garnet. Sure. And then lastly, food. Food is. Mm, there are two ways to go about this, which is the aesthetic is you have like steakhouse aesthetic. Like if you had the means to like go to a steakhouse and get, you know, a, a, an expensive steak with a with a scotch to pair with it. Like that's the vibe I get from you. But I know right. in reality it's cereal, which yes. is I'm going to a steakhouse on Thursday. Opposed. I'm going to a steakhouse on Thursday. But this morning I told Macy I'm going to start bringing cereal to work. <laughs> see i could i that that was the one aspect i was like it's these two things i can't choose between the two things because it's the same they are equal parts of him i'm saying you are gourmet mac and cheese like when you go to a fancy restaurant and it's not on the menu be like hey man i'm not i don't know what any of this stuff is can you just whip me up some mac and cheese and the chef's like yeah i can make you something and they make you the best mac and cheese you've ever had that's what you are. Um, my mom made crockpot mac and cheese this weekend, and it is my favorite thing my mom makes, and I just devour it every single time. Yeah. Dude, I think we're pretty good at this. We know Yeah, I other. think so too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a thing for free balling. Um, I beat Uncharted 2. Now, if you recall a few months ago at this point, I played Uncharted 1 and I was not impressed. And so, moving into Uncharted 2, Uncharted 2 is people's favorite game of all time. Like, people put it in top 10 best video games of all time lists. Those people need to be checked for lead poisoning <laughs> because... 
this game is better by almost every sense of the imagination. It is a good game. It is better than the first Uncharted. I understand why people like it. I understand why people love it. The third act of that game is maybe one of the least engaging third acts I've ever played. Because... Jeez. I have never played a game with so much obligated combat. I feel like if this game was what it truly wanted to be, there would be almost no combat, if any combat at all. And the third act of the game, from chapters like 21 to 26, all combat. And the problem that I have with it, the reason why I don't like the combat system, is nothing evolves. The best gun from Chapter 3 is the best gun in Chapter 26. Oh, no, dude. And there's no skill points, there's no abilities, which is... I, I don't need that stuff, but the the weapon system is so lackluster there's four assault rifles there's one sniper rifle there's four pistols there's two shotguns but the shotguns take the same place as the assault rifle so you can't carry both at the same time and i'm just and so the enemies got harder but the weapons did not match the curve so that's why when the game pivoted to almost exclusively action i found myself wanting to be done with it more because it felt less creative and it was just like all right let's do what games have to do so the first half of the game amazing um, great story great voice acting really cool sequences like there are there's several scenes from this game that are iconic and have transcended different mediums uh and playing them is super cool it and that's just what makes the second half of the game so much more heartbreaking. Like, I, you guys have it in you. I've been playing it for the last three hours. Yeah, that's so <laughs> sad, dude. Um, But I understand that that's a hot take. But I also think that people that say Uncharted 2 is one of the greatest games of all time played Uncharted 2 when they were 12. <laughs> um, yep, that'll do it. So, I, again, I am not denying the fact that it's a good game. I just want to make sure that we all set our expectations appropriately. So, like, yeah. that game sits... I think I gave the first Uncharted a flat six. This one sits at, like, seven and a quarter. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Yeah. No, I, I went into it hard for funny comedic effect. It's fu It's good, you know. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I... I want to play the rest of it, but I I have to, I cannot play the next. I have to take a break before I play Uncharted Three. I okay. I had my fill for a while. All right, man, sounds good. All right, next week we are playing a racing game. We are playing Need for Speed Unbound. This is the most recent Need for Speed game to come out. It's on EA Play, which is how we will be playing it. Uh, but until then. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces.